0: much too hot with the kangaroo, so what did I do? I went to Vancouver. Yeah. Oh yeah! And I made that Comedy zeitgeist. Oh yeah! Comedy
1: side guys ha!
0: Comedy guys Oh yes! Comedy guys Go!
1: Dance! Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Mosqueum territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandeley with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy zeitgeist and talk to me at Doug Vandele. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. I'm joined today by two BreadTube buddies, Lance and Dave of the Surfs. How's it going, guys? It's going well. Thanks
0: so much for having us. Yeah, thank you.
1: Uh, yeah, for those who don't know, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your channel? Uh, well, we're basically two
0: internet clowns who have uh, parlayed our mimery shall I say, yeah. uh, into uh, uh, F-list celebrity status on YouTube? Yeah, about that. Or maybe X. Or... Yeah, we're, we're,
2: we're working our way up from, you know, P-level class. To like, <laughs> I'd say we're like F-level comedians now on, on the YouTube.
0: Yeah. Um, so we started making videos that basically uh, poke fun at far-right reactionaries.
2: Yeah, as yeah. well as having some um, actual, con, you know, solid content in terms of like, <laughs> you know, meaningful kind of uh, video essays. Yeah. So we, we switch back and forth between, um, you know, hateful clowns. Yes. And taking shots at reactionaries. And, and then uh, at other times making uh, meaningful videos.
0: Yeah. We try to be uh, both highbrow and incredibly lowbrow. Cool. Uh, how'd that all get started? Uh, doing this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we, <So> started... <laughs> we, we started a podcast,
2: I want to say, in about March of... 2016 or 2017 it was right after the um trump election so we i mean we've always been very into politics um and what better place for two men to (laughs) have an outlet than to start a podcast and just ramble on into the ether i guess yeah
0: um, I mean, I, I think our podcast at first was being listened to about five people, yeah, which includes both our parents. So, oh, my
2: parents didn't listen. Oh, okay, well yeah. then, yeah, Definitely so not. so
0: three people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a lot of yelling into the void, and then uh, yeah, it picked up a little bit of traction, and then we started trying to parlay what we were doing in the podcast onto uh, YouTube content, and then the YouTube content actually took off a lot faster than anything we were doing on the podcast. So we slowly kind of transitioned, um, and then in April, our channel got shut down without notice on April Fools, actually, of all days. Um, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't explained to why that YouTube never gave us like a reason and we just got an email one day saying, your, your account has been terminated for violation of uh, marketing practices or something like that. They were claiming that we were apparently trying to like submit links to external scamming sites or stuff like that. So we found out later because we'd made videos critical of Joe Rogan and critical of PewDiePie and other figures on the internet. That their fan bases uh, would frequently try to flag our comment sections or do mass flaggings like that. So we were like, well, this has to be just like, you know, an aberration of that, basically.
1: How long did it take to get reinstated? Uh,
2: that whole debacle lasted about a week or? Maybe yeah, a little less so
0: it, it took about 48 hours because what happened is right afterwards we announced, because at that point we had about 7,000 subscribers. So we had at least you know a few dedicated fans who were really upset when this happened, obviously, and then it just snowballed into the rest of the left tube and bread tube community uh, really coming to our defense, which was really beautiful to see. So they started all these Twitter campaigns, all these big names in the bread tube community like uh, Non Compete and H uh, Bomber Guy and Peter Coffin all started tweeting about us, and uh, the story kept getting picked up. We got onto uh, what is it? Not the Michael Brooks show, the majority one that, report. Yeah, the majority report with Sam Cedar uh, did a little thing on us, and then just the amplification of that, and pe- hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you know noble volunteers basically tweeting at Team YouTube at YouTube, like what happened, this is wrong. We actually ended up getting a response, which you know YouTube never responds publicly to these things on Twitter, saying yes, you were deleted in error. We are working hard to fix this right now.
1: It's uh, crazy hearing about that right now with all this shit going on yeah. with Crowder. I yeah. you know, obviously you guys have released a video about that right
0: yeah so that was our last. we kind of tried now just with the you know how fast everything's snowballing with the channel we try to do one main big large scale like you know now they're almost like small films short films uh a month and so the latest one we did was on steven crowder
2: which was i guess just coincidentally a week before this whole youtube drama between him and um Carlos from Vox broke out.
0: <laughs> like, I, I don't know if you sold your soul to the devil or I, I did my sleep or something. Like, I don't know how that timing worked out so well because for us, it's just been incredible for the
1: metrics. Does it come up, your story about your, your channel being shut down and his not?
2: Um, We're too small, I guess, in the, in the mainstream when it comes to that level because Crowder's obviously has, like, millions of subscribers and um, Carlos from Vox has a giant platform as well. So we're just we're too small to get picked up in that kind of conversation. Um, there's been various kinds of accounts such as ours. And I guess also on the other side of the spectrum that have had to deal with this kind of deplatforming platforming that YouTube does. Uh, this big scandal or drama du jour is sort of beyond our little scope. Um, but although, it's same- although
0: Carlos Maza did like the tweet that I put out
1: today where I, yeah, where I talked about how uh, we were actually shut down. So it happens to uh, the left as well. Do you think it's more that uh, people that are fans of alt-right channels are more likely to uh, do the kind of spam attacks than people who are fans of the left or that the platforms themselves are more forgiving of the right platforms?
0: Uh I don't think as a corporation, YouTube takes any political sides. I think their bottom line is their corporate interests, which is to yes, it, which is profit, right? So at the end of the day, YouTube, uh, Steve, looks at Steven Crowder, they say that they see that he's got three million subscribers. So to them, it's like, well, you know, it behooves us to make a public something about this, but it doesn't necessarily, you know mean we have to shut them down or, or cancel them. Uh, in terms of your question about do right wing reactionaries do that more often, I don't think I don't know any statistics to back that up, right? I mean, like there, you know, there is the four chan trolls or the eight chan trolls that they, they, they are notorious for uh, conspiring together and yeah. doing the stuff. And I was gonna mass.
2: say we don't have any actual statistical evidence, but I'm gonna say yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the science backs that up. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is completely opinion-based show, right? so we can make up. There we go. Whatever uh, okay. we want. Oh, fantastic! Well,
0: why am I talk about statistics?
1: Um so speaking of YouTube as a platform, do you find that influences your process in making videos?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you mean in regards like to be watch a lot of stuff and ingest it?
1: So well, as a follow- up, uh how might your uh, your show be different if it was a TV show or perhaps on Netflix?
0: oh uh we would be beholden to someone yeah <laughs> so
1: you think you are, you have more freedom that oh way? absolutely right
2: now yeah because whatever you know ridiculous idea or concept we come up with we can say like you know we can even think that this is stupid but we can go ahead and, and, and spend our money I mean. and and like <laughs> weeks of time filming something that's just dumb and has yeah. no really like landing point. i'd
0: say we're more beholden to our fans than we are to any kind of yes. editorial process yeah. right I mean if we haven't had a lot of backlash but there's a couple times where they'll point things out right and right away we'll be like oh okay you know I mean you know nobody's perfect everybody has to kind of try and self improve constantly but in terms of like editorializing there's there's no oversight with YouTube there is the incentive for monetization of course right like our videos The Steven Crowder one, for example, uh, is not monetized and will never be able to be monetized. Like, I don't know why we spend so much time censoring the bleeps and everything, because in order to do an effective takedown of Steven Crowder, you have to show a lot of Steven Crowder. And it's horrible, frankly, right? (laughs) I mean, there's just there's so much uh, homophobia and transphobia, racism, uh, misogyny. Uh, So obviously we put that all in there, just showing clips of his stuff and then parodying those clips as well to be able to demonstrate what a cretin
1: he is. Have you seen all the mental gymnastics around the figs on the show? Oh, oh my God. yeah. Yeah. Like
2: <laughs> yeah. The amount that the, just the ridiculous concept people are like, well, it's it's not homophobic. He's talking about figs. Yeah. It's like there's Che with his like limp wrist. Yeah, I know. I mean, and you just, guys, just the like, fact
0: that you have to asterisk this alone should tell you that you, you understand why this is problematic, right? It feels so much like hey, children... you, you wouldn't bleep out Apple on yeah, TV. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's
2: it feels like this is what uh, like a third grader would say to the teacher when he gets caught doing Something. It's like oh, it's not like this. It's, it yeah. actually means this. It's a joke. And, and, it's, it's and like, what is
0: the punchline with that joke, as well as all of Stephen Crowder jokes? It's like, are you offended, social justice warriors? Like, does this offend that's, you? Yeah. That's that's the punchline, right? That's that's all there is to it. Yeah.
2: On top of just being a homophobe and a transphobe and just all that, he's painfully unfunny. <laughs> yeah, <Like, laughs> it's just
0: it hurts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. funny <laughs> once in a while.
2: Once you know, once in a while.
1: I've only seen clips from people dunking on him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. I guess there's some bias there, but it's pretty freaking cringe. yeah. yeah. Oh just yeah, his whole style. it's just it it's like you said, it's like a like a grade school bully just mm-hmm. putting on on voices and mm-hmm. not yeah. even good ones.
2: Yeah, it's, it it's mind blowing that there are hardworking comedians out there trying to you know perfect their craft and get famous. And then all it actually takes is just to be base level and appeal to some sort of geriatric
0: racist crowd. Well, see, that's the thing, right? He's carved a niche for himself in an environment where like there isn't a lot of other people doing what he's doing, right? Like he, like, you know, it's not a little fish in a big sea. It's basically the only fish in the sea right now. There's not a lot of other like character comedian, right wing reactionaries in, in, you know, that sphere. It was like, not Dennis Leary. Who was that thing? Dennis Miller? Uh, yeah, there's, there's Dennis Miller and Nick the Nick the Pialo or yeah, Nick Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those are old guys. i are <laughs> talking about on the on the YouTube, on the on like you know, the started yeah, on Fox X News, practice. but evolved onto YouTube eventually. I was told that once the Earth was shaped like a dish. This was a time before mortals or the law. That time has long since passed, and no one tells those stories anymore. All they care to tell these days, over and over again, are the tales of frost cricket. Hear them all on the Cave Goblin network.
1: I guess it's like a different realm from the Alex Jones. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah Alex Jones is his own sphere of crazy. <laughs>
1: I totally thought it was a bit until like he lost custody of his kids. <laughs> he is really committed to that bit. <laughs> What a character, <laughs> character.
2: <laughs> Yeah. It's like uh it's like Andy Kaufman. You yeah, know, exactly. Right? <laughs> like man
1: on the moon. You never Alex know style. style. But that was that conspiracy theory that he was uh Shit! Who was it? What's that comedian from the nineties? And they're they're never in the same room at the same time or something like that. Yeah. uh, Oh my god! I can't think of it now. And this is the the show about comedians. I was gonna say I Um, I know this
0: conspiracy theory, but I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. I'm gonna look up. And
1: and it's the only one that pisses
0: him off. Nineties comedian. Yeah.
1: Not. It's it's not George Carlin. It's the other guy, and he's dead. And he smoked a lot. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much all comedians. But
0: yeah, apparently Alex Jones has heard that theory, and, it's and like, it, bothers it, him? it really oh, bothers him. Which is why it's, it. it's the one you have to keep spreading.
1: Oh, of course. When they were young, they looked uh, they looked really similar. Yeah. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Oh I like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and that he's a Bill Hicks character. <laughs>
2: Man, Bill Hicks, yeah. true to the end.
1: <laughs> and beyond. <laughs>
2: Death can't stop Bill Hicks. <laughs> no.
1: In a uh, bulletproof bathtub, <laughs> you put an astounding amount of research into every episode, from what I can tell. Oh, how much research? Yeah. How much research do you put in? The joke's on you. <laughs> it's all wrong. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, Lance does the majority of the research, I feel, uh, and his he... brain is turning to mush because of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I have watched so many hours of Stephen Crowder. It, like, I can never get those back. Uh, I mean, we try as hard as we can. At the end of the day, like you know, my BA was in English literature. I'm not a researcher, right? So I, but it's important that we try to get things uh that are important as factual as possible because i mean if we're going to make a point with this uh people have to be able to look at that watch it share it with their friends and not have their friends be like these statistics are completely wrong yeah and it's like
2: unlike say in a podcast form which we used to do all the time you know it's like you're doing a podcast once a week you can get some facts and figures wrong you know people aren't really going back a couple weeks to dig into your podcast catalog but when it comes to those videos, those videos stay up for hopefully, you know, years and years. So you want to get, you know, when you're being serious and such, you want everything to be fairly accurate for, for you know, as long as possible, really.
0: And YouTube doesn't let you re-upload videos. Yeah. So, I mean, once it's up there, it's canon. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing you can do afterwards, and we try to do this when people point out things that are just blatantly factually wrong, we add them to the description notes or we'll say, like, you know, there are some errors. Here's where they are as as best we can.
1: Who are your influences or or idols in what you do?
0: Ooh, idols in what
2: we do. I don't even feel that a lot of the comedians that I grew up listening to or following were so much into political... Well, I mean, like, there's always a certain kind of political satirist. Um, I mean, like, I grew up, you know, to, not to date myself, but, you know, growing up in the... Not growing up, but, like, being of age in school and stuff in the 2000s, I was a big fan of Jon Stewart and what he was, you know, how he changed... Basically, late night TV show and took it to a political bent, uh, because obviously, you know, just from what our work is, we've always been political kind of entities. So just to have that more of a humor standpoint always helped. Personally, I always grew up um, just as like a you know high school stoner style. Like Dave Chappelle was always my favorite. I was gonna be yeah like I could just hear if you were just to play Dave Chappelle laughing I would just laugh along with he him. he doesn't like... even need punch laughs. Yeah, he, just,
0: he could do a whole hour long special of him laughing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing uh, yeah I mean for the classics obviously Carlin and Richard Pryor obviously but uh, I didn't grow up with them it's one of those things that later in life I was like well I should really study some older comedians and obviously then I you know gobbled up their entire catalogs and then in terms of someone who was not political at all but was just really adorable was Mitch Hedberg you know yeah oh yeah yeah, always always loved his kind of just strange uh, wordplay and stuff like that I like Dimitri Martin for that as well um, but I don't know if Dimitri Martin kind of stood the test of time because most of his newer stuff I'm not as uh, impressed by as his original catalog uh,
1: and I know you're listening to this Dimitri I'm sorry <laughs> well because it's one-liners it's so hard to just you know, he's got hours of one-liners. Yes. Yeah.
2: yes, of course. And that's, you know, it's impressive to be able to crank out that much mm-hmm. content while just hitting a one-liners all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and drawing
1: pictures and playing guitar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ma-
2: yeah. massively talented. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, for a new comedian, I, I feel the same way about Bo Burnham, where I'm just like, there is so much talent in your veins. How do you do all this and do it all well? You know, like, that's incredible.
1: So I've, I've read with Bo Burnham that, he plans everything like every little move and inflection on stage because like he's not an improviser at Mm -hmm. all and so he just like works constantly wow which is how he gets to where he is
0: yeah which makes sense i mean every single one of those you're just like wow you are just transcending the medium and aren't you like 18 years old or something (laughs) (laughs) i just don't know
1: if i have the the effort to do any like half of that no 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 and i certainly don't have the talent (laughs) yeah
2: you get that tattooed on yourself. I certainly don't have the talent. Half the effort, none of the talent. really matters where you get the tattooed.
0: Make a good t-shirt, maybe. Yeah, t-shirt's better.
1: I've heard you guys are collaborating with some other big names in YouTube coming on. That seems to keep snowballing too
0: because one of the big things for us is we were trying to figure out how exactly did the right wing dominate the platform for so long, right? What exact, how, what made that come to be? And a lot of that had to do with, at first, you know, people like Sargon of Akkad, these reactionaries, were posting like three hour long videos. And these three hour long videos of him just berating, you know, like feminists and things like that uh, would be really good for the algorithm because the algorithm rewards you for the longer you watch. So it's, it's basically trying to get you to keep your eyes glued to YouTube as long as possible. And if he's carving this niche out that not a lot of other people are doing, like I just mentioned, the algorithm rewards him then the other thing that those people are doing is they cross pollinate with each other so, you know, um, Joe Rogan, sorry, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, who I don't think is a, a far right uh, or an alt right by any means, but he will have people like Dave Rubin on a show. Dave Rubin will have people like Stefan Molyneux on a show. Stefan Molyneux will then have people like, well, he's never had Richard Spencer, but he's had a couple other pretty extreme race realists. But, anyways, just through that, you've gone down this pipeline, right? And that's kind of why people think the algorithm of YouTube is inherently biased towards, you know, far right reactionaries and stuff. Uh, so, we started trying to do the same thing. So, at first, when we started out, we were trying to collaborate with any other smaller creators who would just give us the time of day, and uh, as we got bigger, obviously more people opened their, their doors. I have to give a shout out to Thought Slime, who's a really big uh, Canadian YouTuber who was fine doing stuff with us when we were complete babies. You know, like that—that that was really nice of him. Uh, but yeah, at this point now, uh, in an expert, I mean we can announce this. Uh, we've got Jared Holt, who's the uh, the journalist in charge of Right Wing Watch. Uh, we've got uh, Andreas, who's uh, the editor, or uh, one of the what, one of the editors, like, yeah, contributing, contributing editor, editor of McLean's, who's in the next one. Uh, Rebecca Lewis, who's the the academic who wrote the the academic paper that we based the entire Joe Rogan video on, the Alternative Influence Network, and uh, and the one after that, we have even uh, bigger names that we're collaborating with that uh, we can't reveal just yet.
1: Oh, cool. So it's uh, all all coming up for you guys at the moment?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. After our April Fool's, sh- you know, <laughs> sh- years, uh, <laughs> things have, you know, really ticked up after that. So.
1: Well, it sounds like that had some positive effect once oh, it was fixed. absolutely.
2: Well. I mean, if anything, it was, you know, a boon to us, really.
0: Yeah, it was uh, the Streisand effect uh, yeah. to an extreme. We had 7,000 subscribers before that, and after that it bumped up to, I think, 17,000 in the span of a month. Right. So we got 10,000 subscribers in that one month alone, which was just crazy.
2: It was like we were the little martyrs. Yeah. It was like we were like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A week before Easter. <laughs> but less funny. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> You got reborn as well. <laughs>
1: uh, so you're working on any big projects right now? Uh yeah I mean we're
0: gonna we're we're gonna release the trailer for it on Monday I don't know what time this podcast gets released
1: well, it'll be Wednesday it'll
0: be Wednesday okay so, so it should be okay, out by so now we, yeah okay so we can yeah. talk about that uh so yeah we're we're our most popular video so far is still the one we did critical of Joe Rogan and him and the intellectual dark web so and that's also the video that we think got us taken down mm-hmm. off YouTube so what better way to celebrate than to do the sequel mm-hmm. so we're doing uh, Joe Rogan two the Alex Jones parabellum and it's going to tackle how Joe Rogan and Alex Jones had a bit of a fight for a little while, uh, a very public fight that uh, dissipated very quickly, just as quickly as it arrived. And then uh, it resulted in Alex Jones getting completely normalized. First, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and then Logan Paul had him on his podcast. And then for oh, right, yeah, like for, for a guy who was relegated to the fringes of the Internet, the dark corners of his own making, Alex Jones is now in the public sphere. I mean, he's managing to top Twitter uh, trending charts again and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah he's such a car crash it's so hard <laughs>
2: to look away you know it's bad but you just just want to look
1: did you ever see that uh person who auto-tuned him to sound like bonnie Vera? oh yeah yeah and did he loved go. it by the way he posted he that video on his show on infowars <laughs> he's like you know of all the different
0: versions of uh you know all the manipulations that have been done about me this one is by far the best like this this is the internet you know and yeah he loves it so <laughs> gotta, gotta give it to that guy
1: so uh, that sounded just like a clip of Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this for a while. Lance has really consumed a lot of Alex Jones. Can you, can you do any others? Can any, do any, other, any other right-wing pundits? Uh, I don't really want to do Crowder. Because
0: it really hurts my voice. It's
1: a to go that high. I feel like everybody takes a shot at
2: Jordan Peterson. We've, you know, had our shots. Yeah, our super Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they're all hit or miss
0: with Jordan they're Peterson. They're all pyramid voices. Yeah, <laughs> people say he naturally sounds like Joe Rogan. Which I just don't
2: hear at all. No,
1: neither do uh, I. Now that you've said it, maybe a bit. Uh-huh. Can, can you say Jamie, pull that up? <laughs> Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually have a uh, behind our Patreon paywall uh, the Rainbow Agenda, which is a song I wrote uh, as Kermit the Frog. Oh, nice! Um, Can you sing, send that singing, to us? singing about lobsters and stuff. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Awesome! Uh, it's on an episode of Podcast vs. Podcast as well. Okay. A while back, It's uh, Jordan B. Frog is the guest. That sounds awesome. Part of the Frogiverse. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything you'd like to plug? I mean, the YouTube channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: please uh, please go check out youtube.com slash the surfs TV. And uh, if you like what you see and you want to help support us and help our dumpster fire keep uh, uh, growing, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the surfs. Help out any
2: kind of unions or any kind of left-wing entities out there. Yeah, I mean, and, and all that if, if you're not
0: in, uni- uh, in a union, try and start a union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, maybe message us and we'll try and you know,
1: signal boost your story because yeah. we want to see more unions everywhere. Cool. Well, I agree with that sentiment. Um, thanks so much for coming, guys. Thanks, thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow the Cave Goblin Network on all social media at Cave Goblins, or check out what we're doing over on CaveGoblins.com. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or Podchaser. It's the best way you can help the show for free. If you're feeling a little more generous, head over to Patreon.com forward slash for some exclusive content. I've been Doug Vandalay, and this has been Comedy Zeitgeist. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.